0: my friends. We are here under the tower, the Tower of Halifax Health, and it is time for a CEO sit-down. Welcome, Jeff Beasel. How are you?
1: Thank you, John. I am fantastic.
0: Well, it's a beautiful day out there, and we've been doing a lot of different things. we had chamber dinner. We've had some some different things happening, some great technology. Um, I'm hearing some excellent things about uh, quality of service, Um, but let's start right off. So when you think about where we are currently, how are we doing financially?
1: We're doing fine. Um, are we doing as well as we had anticipated at this point in time in the year? The answer to that is no. It's uh, it's been an interesting um, eighteen months, and uh, you know we've been busy as as all get out. Five hundred forty-eight uh,
0: the other day.
1: Yeah, we're we're setting records pretty much every day as far as patient volume is concerned. And um, so revenue um, had been very, very strong last year, and it was running about 10% over budget. um, But our labor expenses were running about 10% over budget. So they were matching up pretty well. And then towards the end of the fiscal year, the the revenue started to drop off a little bit, but the labor expenses um, did not. So um, the margins tapered off. We were in a position to pay gain share, which was a positive thing. And then as we started the first three years of our fiscal year in October, November, and December, the revenues um, continued to be at budget or just slightly above budget. But our labor expenses did not come down as fast. So um, we, didn't, um, we didn't hit our 3% margins, okay? So we're behind budget. But we're making money. It's probably the best way to explain it. I
0: like that. At least we're making money on that side.
1: Yeah, we are. We are, John. But something I want to add is um, as we watch what's going on in the markets, the stock market specifically, and the bond markets, um, and this is what really helped us last year because we didn't hit the budget at the end of the operating margin at the end of the year, but our total margin exceeded, far exceeded, because of our investments. And the same thing is true so far this year. Right. So even though our operating margins aren't what we wanted them to be, we, the investments that we have um, in our cash and things is outpacing um, the budget. So, you know, but we can't control that. Uh, what we can control to, to some extent is our operating margins. And uh, so we're going to stay focused on that, stay focused on bringing, hiring more nurses, um, more medical technologists, more radiation uh, uh, technicians, ultrasound, echo, and um, focus on the labor, because that's something that we can impact. Supply expenses are up, which is uh, impacting us a little bit, but uh, we're reeling, in, reeling those in as well. And uh, last month, the, uh, the month of February was really strong from a mm-hmm. revenue perspective, so I, I think it's going to start to look more like um, the first uh, six months of last calendar year did.
0: So that would be good. So let me ask you this: as a team member, what can I do to help us with expenses? What kinds of things, especially on the clinical side and on those in those in those areas where we see the most um, the most overages, I guess? Um, what can we do?
1: I think we all have to be aware of the fact that um, you know we can't be overstaffed in certain areas now. I'm not aware of any department being overstaffed um, because we're we're surging with with patients. We're at surge three, surge four, seems to be on a continual basis. Uh, we, we, we've got to um, be aware that um, of overtime. Uh, we've got to be aware of shift differential and those things that they can't last forever, and um, that. Uh, uh, we just we just have to be diligent, and it's the nurse nurse managers and department managers' responsibilities to do that, and, and uh, we have to be aware of our budgets.
0: And so, as I never realized this, but a nurse manager one of their responsibilities is to go through and make their chart, make sure their charges are accurate every single day, right?
1: It is. Everybody uh, is responsible for a unit is basically responsible for a small business. Yeah and they have to know um, their revenues, and they have to know their expenses. Their revenues come in the form of charges. Charges for rooms, charges for supplies, charges for drugs, and those charges have to be entered on the patient's account in order to accurately account for the cost of the patient and the care that we're providing, and also it translates into reimbursement or payment that we get from the insurance companies. And it's really important that on a daily basis that um, every department is reconciling their charges. It'll become even more important as we move through some of the changes that we're we're going to have here in moving to Workday and Epic. Um, I don't want to get off off subject here and, and get into those those well, issues. But uh, that's the charges the charges are extremely important, and we have to focus on the processes. Um, and steps that we take t- to make certain that we're getting credit for everything we're doing. It's just like documentation. If you don't document, do- document something in the medical record, it didn't happen. Right. So you don't post charges, it didn't, it didn't happen.
0: What do you think across the, the healthcare industry, what percentage of charges don't get documented? Wow. It's so complex.
1: I would say the percentage of charges that don't get documented is probably in a 10 to 12% range.
0: Wow. So that could be $60 million if we're at 10%. Yeah. So that's a, it's really important. It really it is. It
1: is, and it helps us account for um, our costs and where those, those uh, costs are being allocated.
0: And, and, you know, you think so much about what a nurse does physically for the patient but now you've got to realize not only are they doing all that, but now they have to remember everything and be sure to enter it. It's really a lot.
1: It is. Um, the room charge is automatic. Uh, supply charges should be, uh, uh, we've, t- we've talked about rolling them into a room charge right. and coming up with an average mm-hmm. um, for patients, but, you know, given the different diagnoses and needs of patients. What This patient in this room may need more drugs than this right. patient, and right. as such, may need more supplies. Um, it, it, it is a lot and, um, you know, nursing is a difficult uh, difficult job um, and that comes back to our, our training and, and our expectations of our, our team members.
0: Right. So, we got to make sure we document all those charges. That's just crucial and and I know that after I was in a discussion with some folks, you know, it is really important to make sure that that is part of your process every day, is that you go over and look at your financials. As a matter of fact, after I had that discussion, I went back and I had, I usually talk about finances, finances about once a month in our, in our office, but now I'm starting to get it more often just to make sure it looks right, because I don't want to be over.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you need to stay on top of it uh, on a daily basis, especially if your department has charges um, and labor expenses that fluctuate based upon the volume of the patients that we see. But yeah, I, the first thing, one of the first things I do in the morning is I pull up our, our activity from the day before. I see how many we're holding in the ER, I see how many surgeries we're doing. I see how many patients we have in Deltona, how many patients we have in Port Orange, how many patients are here. Um, I look at our hospice uh, reports, and then I look at our revenue. And um, you know, I look at whether we're at budget, below budget, or above budget. And then I zero in on our surgeries, our oncology, uh, medical oncology, drugs, because they fluctuate a lot, as uh, well as our ER visits and volume and cardiology volumes. And, uh, but the first indicator is are we uh, above budget or are we below budget from a revenue perspective? And um, so those things I look at every day from an organizational perspective. And, and uh, if somebody runs a department, uh, they too should be looking at the activity that's taken place in, in their department and uh, making sure that we're capturing every, everything that is being done there. Right. And it's really a fairness thing to the people on the floor. It's a, yeah. you know, it's a reflection of um, you know, the hard work that they're doing on a daily basis
0: and that won't change i'm going to just i'm going to segue just a shape because you know we've been talking a lot about workday and epic and the transformation that those those are going to change but that process the people process of looking through your numbers doesn't change we may have a different tool to do it with but that is a fundamental thing that must be done every day for a manager
1: it is and from my point of view it is the manager's responsibility now, if the manager, over the course of time, has chosen to delegate that to someone, right. then it's still the manager's responsibility to make sure it's taken place on a day-to-day basis. Epic and Workday do not change um, fundamental business practices right. of, did I post my charges? Did I document? The systems merely change the way we go about doing right. those processes. Right. The system is a tool. It doesn't fix everything automatically, right. for us. We have to focus on the processes before we implement the system so that we know completely what the process has, what each step in the process is. So then when we look at the new functionality of the new system, we can then leverage that functionality right. to improve the process.
0: And become more efficient.
1: Yes. Improvements efficiency. Yep.
0: Which will probably lead, as you and I have talked before, it may lead to more revenue because it's more efficient.
1: Yes. Which would
0: be great. Now, this is a weird question I have, but and I'm probably wrong, and you probably have it nailed, but let's say we had 280 days cash on hand-ish. Is that ish?
1: Close. That's pretty good.
0: Okay, close. And that means we have enough. If we didn't generate any more revenue, we could handle it to operate 280 more days, Right.
1: That's correct, with no more cash coming in the door.
0: Okay, so now, Epic and Workday are a $92 million investment. So where do those dollars come from, and does that impact how financially strong we are?
1: It does, um, but keep in mind, some of that money we're spending today, we're just spending it on Meditech. True. And on Kronos. right so when you look at the difference and, and we would have had to spend more money on chronos upgrading chronos right. and meditech right uh so the delta isn't necessarily a 92 million dollar delta it's Got something um a little more than half of that it's probably in the 55 million dollar range so yes we have to become more efficient right we have to capture revenue right um and we have to to find um areas that uh, help us become more efficient in the processes that we do with fewer people. Yeah. And when I say fewer people, it doesn't mean we're gonna have less people in our organization. We're gonna to have to repurpose them. Right. So we've talked about how we'd like some of our, our people that know our processes in the organization really well to uh, apply to be Workday uh, experts and EPIC experts to implement the system. Right. And it's important because they know our processes. And they can help us become more efficient. I get people coming up to me all the time talking about how we can be more efficient. Um, And I don't disagree with them, but it's a matter of knowing the job that they do. And I don't know all the jobs that people do. But I know that our employees have a lot of great ideas on how to become more efficient and how to do things better and cheaper and faster um, and safer.
0: Right. And and really, when it comes down, when you tie all of this change that we're going to go through, it all comes back to what you just said, which is safer and and really better patient care. Yes. Because that's why we're here. And that's really important, I think, to remember. So we have had, I want to say, 63 people, I think, apply for um, Epic uh, Analyst, which is great. And now they're taking the Sphinx test. What do you know about the Sphinx test? And has Jeff Fiesel taken the Sphinx test? He has not.
1: <laughs> uh, um, I asked Mike the other day, I'm like, how much does this cost to take the test? And he said, it's $15. And um, I said, well, you know, there's a lot of people that are afraid to take this Damn test. Damn right.
0: I know. It's true.
1: And um, I'm like, well, don't worry about it. Take it and whatever it means, it means. You know, right. It doesn't, it, not if not you don't bad. score well on the Sphinx test, it doesn't mean you're a dummy. Right. It just doesn't mean Thank that you're not particularly, um, your brain isn't wired in a way that, that Epic thinks that maybe is, is better. Right. Um, my brain isn't wired to be a clinician. Right. So, you know, I think differently than a lot of our doctors and nurses. Doesn't mean I don't know anything or that I'm a bad person. And the same is true here. Um, take the test, apply for the job, see if it's something you're interested in. And if not, that's okay. And too. some of
0: the questions that came up, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that you're going to become an Epic employee. You're a Halifax Health employee. You're on the Epic team, and so you know, there's really, to your point, there's no reason not to take the test if you have an interest. Right. I mean, it's 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 a it's a uh, I guess it's a reasoning and a logic kind of test, and um, you know, you, you you just never know how what they're looking for, and there's not a pass fail.
1: No, and the interesting thing is that there's people that have taken a test and thought they did horribly, right? And they did really well. Yeah. So you never know. So So if you're
0: interested in it, in being a workday analyst or an epic analyst or just being part of that, this is a great opportunity. Yeah. Because you know, either either it's a great fit and you end up doing it, and you get to extend your your service to Halifax Health in a new way. Or you keep doing what you're doing and you take care of patients that way. So it's a good thing. And along those lines, you know, um, I'm learning about change management. There's going to be a lot of change uh, that we're all going to have to deal with. And it's exciting because Alberto brought up the other day how many people will actually have the opportunity to implement this kind of a system in their lifetime. And uh, you did, I know, because you tell your story about how you learned patient access in the payment business. And now this is the next iteration for you.
1: Yeah, we have been so fortunate here at Halifax um, with the various changes that we've gone through. And um, the point is, you'll go through your healthcare career and sometimes not have the opportunities to do the things that we've done here at Halifax. Let me give you several examples. In 2002, we, first of all, in 98, 99, prior to uh, me being blessed with being here, um, the organization went through a change from what was called the old MetaPack system to Eclipsis. Um, wasn't the best transition. We didn't manage change as well as um, we could have. The functionality of the system didn't, uh, wasn't the best fit, I guess. And so we ended up taking that Eclipse system out because it affected cash flow. Um, it affected patient care. And we implemented Meditech. So there's another one of those changes. Some organizations will stay with the same right. application uh, forever. Right. Take HCA, for example, a for-profit healthcare system. They've been on Meditech for as long as I can remember. Uh, it's a modified version of Meditech. Um, but they've never changed. Um, and then here again, we reinstalled uh, Meditech in 2017-18. Here we're going to move from Meditech to Epic, and we're going to move from Kronos to Workday, which is just as big a change as Epic is. Yeah. Um, we've been able to open a hospital in Port Orange, open a hospital in Deltona. We've been able to build a tower here. You know, a lot of people will go into healthcare and they'll walk into a building and that will be the building they retire from, yeah. With n- having never had the opportunity to go through some of these, these changes. And it, it is fun and yeah. it's exciting. Um, and uh, it's an opportunity for us to provide better care to our patients in a safer manner. And um, so it's, but you have to understand your job, you have to understand the, the workflows. first. And that's the big part of the change management. You've got to know step by step and document step by step. These are the steps that need to take place every day. Then learn the functionality of the new system to say, how am I going to leverage this tool to improve these processes, to make my current process even better? And I have to sometimes change the way I'm thinking. And I cannot get, you know, JFK, I've used this comment, in this phrase, and it's a quote from JFK, and that is, change is the law of the land. Yep. Those who get stuck in the past or the present are sure to miss the future. Right. And that's the best way I can sum this up. You know, if you get stuck in the way that we've done things before or the way we're doing things today, then you're going to miss the future. Right. And we can't miss the future. We have to be the future.
0: Yeah, there's nobody else. If, if we don't do it, there's nobody else. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting that. So let's, let's jump to um, to uh, patient care for a second. So Prescany had come in and worked with kind of our cornerstone platform a little bit, but I want to bring a piece up on that. And um, we're really working on focusing on this human experience, connecting with the patient, making sure that we're anticipating their needs. But the one thing that I think as I think about this is this survey that we all kind of look at and think, ugh, I have to be 10, and I think we're 8s and 9s, and how are we going to get there? It seems clear to me that we have to talk about the survey, and I'm talking about the Patient Satisfaction Survey, or HCAPS. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, you know, we've we've talked about this numerous times in our leadership group. John, you and I have talked about it here. and you bring up some good points, and that is, you know, clinicians aren't necessarily wired to uh, be salespeople. And I, I think that's part of the issue. But we've got to get them comfortable with having conversations with patients. When patients say, you know, I want to thank you for taking such great care of me. Right. That's an open doors door. Doors
0: open, doors open, Open Close.
1: door, walk through it. Yep. Say, I really appreciate that. When you get home, you're gonna get a survey. And uh, it's kind of an uh, interesting survey. But I only get credit for 9s and 10s on that survey. So I'd just like you to remember that when you, when you fill that out.
0: Which is a very natural way to do that. And what I like about the way you said that is, I only get credit for 9s and 10s. You didn't tell them, oh, they fill out a 10. You kind of softened it a little bit and it said, I or we get credits for 9s and 10s. Yeah. And That's
1: you can go on to say anything 8 or below, uh, we, we don't get credit for doing a good job. And it's not the organization, it's a national standard. And um, so, I appreciate your comments and uh, I hope you can uh, translate that on the survey.
0: Yeah, see that's great. And I think we just have to keep practicing that and putting that in, in everybody's vocabulary. So even if someone calls me up like I had someone today, oh, I had great care for my mom this weekend, then I need to be right there with, you know what, I'm so glad you did. And when you get that survey, um, you know, 9 and 10 are what we're striving for always. And if you could um, share your thoughts in that survey format, that would be really helpful. And people want to help us. They really do.
1: Yeah, they do. And, um, you know, it's no different than uh, when we go anywhere, whether it's a hotel, restaurant, buying a car, buying furniture. People ask us, you know, is there anything else I can do for you? And that's another big part of what we need to do when each and every one of us leaves the patient's room, uh, one of the uh, parting comments should be, is there anything else I can do for you? We're right. here to make sure your stay is exceptional. And um, so if there's anything I can do, let me know, please. Yeah, and
0: you, t- you taught me early on, how can I help? Yep. Can I help you? How can I help? Because you're not prying. You're just saying, hey, if there's anything we can do for you, we'll do it. Yep. And that's great. It's... Um, You know, And I finally understand, I know I've told this before, but when I was younger and you and I knew each other, you said, I want to make sure I have a good health system in this community so I can use it. Very selfish, by the way. But now I totally understand why, because it seems, I mean, we we are it. I remember when we said um, um, we are here because, you know, I just keep looking at the things that happen and, and the care. I had somebody come up to me at the chamber dinner who said, you know, if you need any testimonials, just let me know. I'd be happy to do it. And, you know, it wasn't me asking her. She wants to tell her story. And that that's a reflection on the people who make up Halifax Health.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, half-jokingly about the uh, the services. We have to make sure that um, the services are here and that they're high quality because we're all going to need health care mm-hmm. at some point in time. And... Um, you know as I was telling a group of uh, new team members this morning I said you know once you hit that 55 60 uh, mark things start to happen yeah, right. and one of the uh, nurses in the room said uh, yeah I remember you're starting your IV and I said for what's your procedure and she said well I don't think I can comment on that <laughs> so she was very quick to um, keep under her hat what I was there for but you know I asked the question out of complete um, being naive because I've been here for several procedures. And um, yeah, you use the services and it's important. And that's, it comes back to the fact that I've always made the comment, we need to maintain control over our healthcare services and quality in our community by people that live in our community. We can never give up control of our healthcare decisions to an organization outside of our community. Because right. when we do, it goes to hell in a handbasket. Yeah,
0: because why would they invest? Right. You know, I mean, they're, gonna, they're there
1: to... They're not. interested in taking money out of our community and investing it somewhere else. They aren't, they aren't here to do the right thing and provide the, the level of services that may not make money, but that our community needs.
0: Right. So important. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of those services. So I had the privilege... To have Dr. Della Carpini, our physicist um, at the Cancer Center of Hope, walk me through what is going to be a vault uh, at, at Port Orange Cancer Center for Hope. And we're getting a rad exact uh, radiation machine. And I was blown away with this, but I don't know if it's uh I don't know if it's just great marketing, but this thing apparently takes into account your breathing. How does that happen?
1: Uh, uses uh, artificial intelligence. <laughs>
0: Imagine that, huh?
1: yeah. uh, The buzzword for for what we've got going on in our, our country, and uh, you know, the good news is, is we Im- we we do invest in technology. And when it comes to radiation uh, technology, we um, we brought in um, a group. Geez, probably 20 years ago to study. Um, the different types of technology involved in radiation therapy and uh, uh, to make certain that we were on the cutting edge buying the right technology because it's expensive. Yeah. And uh, there was a cyber knife then yeah, I remember, yeah. that uh, was being evaluated and uh, that was technology for here on the, the Daytona campus. This uh, this new technology that we have is going to be in our Port Orange uh, location where we uh, currently and historically have done medical, Um, medical oncology, now we'll have radiation oncology, and it'll be the latest and greatest technology. So uh, we're excited about it, and um, I saw some pictures of the build-out. It seems to be coming along very nicely. So it's uh, another one of those examples of us uh, investing in technology that isn't anywhere else in the community.
0: Right, it's the only. Yeah. it isn't only, and it's a first. And I think, is it around a four million dollar project? Maybe.
1: All, all these, right? all these things are anywhere from three and a half to five yeah. million dollars yeah. total uh, for the technology themselves. And then you add on some of the the uh, construction; they really start to get pricey. That's what that's where the prices are going up today.
0: Yeah, that's true. But the great thing about it is, you know, no matter what technology you need our stable of cancer physicians or oncologists seem to be able to get you to the right place at the right time.
1: Yeah, it, uh, they're well connected. Um, you know, the, the oncology community is, uh, uh, they know each other really well, and uh, they know the technology. And um, uh, we've got some really good medical oncologists, got some really good radiation oncologists, our oncology staff. It's fantastic. We brought on a couple of new people in orientation today. They're going to work in the infusion center. So um, our navigators are amazing. And um, I'm just, I'm really proud of uh, um, the Chuck and Mickey Grant Cancer Center Hope and the things that uh, we've done to make sure we're serving the community, uh, providing the right care in the right place uh, for them so they don't have to leave the community. Nobody has to leave this community for cancer care.
0: Unless it's really really rare and then we'll help you yeah you know
1: when you need to leave the community our docs will make that right. happen and they'll make the connections for you um, but what we find more than ever is people think they need to go to Mayo or Moffitt just to come back here to find out they can get right. the same thing here
0: Yep, I remember when CC uh, Brown was going through hers and, and many other people they do they do encourage second opinions sure which, which is always a good idea probably but many times they say you know what We can take care of you here, but you can also get equally as good a treatment at home. Yeah. So it makes sense.
1: But that's you know, that's what we're here to do. We're here to provide access. Doesn't matter you know what services you need, who you are, where you're from, what you have, what you don't have.
0: Right.
1: It's part of our mission.
0: It really is. It's it's a it's a great piece of it. And then the other piece of technology, which we've had for a while, um, is the Mako robot. And now we're
1: doing hips, huh? Yeah, we got to Mako uh, originally to do knees. And, geez, we've been doing it for five or six years. Um, and that's the only Mako in Volusia County, I believe. Um, there might be one up in Flagler. But um, it is very, very precise technology. It, um, it enables the doctor to make a more precise cut uh, when they're cutting the bone right. for a knee replacement. And now they've advanced that technology into the hip replacement, and Dr. Marino is, is using that. Um, Dr. Marino's a part of Daytona Orthopedic Group. Is, uh, we're excited about where that might take us, and um, uh, more importantly, what, uh, what impact it's gonna have on the outcome for our patients right. that have hip replacement, because my mother had her hips replaced um, had both knees replaced and both hips replaced, and she had a second hip replacement, and it wasn't here, uh, but it didn't go as well as uh, it could have gone, and you know it impacts your entire life and everything right. you
0: do. Absolutely.
1: So having this type of precision and um, exactness, if that's such a word, um, is really important, and uh, especially when you're talking about your your gait. Uh, and the impact it has on the rest of your your um, musculoskeletal system.
0: Yeah, I, it's uh, the fact that we have. I think that cost about a million dollars when we bought that, and now the fact that it's moved to hips, I think, is outstanding because we're gonna have. The, the way the the robot works is it lines up the socket. I don't exactly know how, but it lines it up so that there's less room for error, and um, and that and they're going home the same day. I, Same think, day.
1: I think you should volunteer to be a, a test case. No, we'll I think we'll not, find out how it works, John. My
0: hips are still good. Yeah? My hips are still good. But I have spent some time with um, uh, Dr. Um, Dominic Marino, and he is a, he's a heart worker and he's committed to the area. So this is going to help him grow. I, you know how you say, I don't know why anyone would send, why a cardiologist would t- send anyone with a heart surgery to not to, I'm messing this up. I don't know why a cardiologist would send someone who needed heart surgery to anybody but our Halifax Health, UF Health heart program. That's how I feel about this with hips, because, to your point, if it's not absolutely right, it can be a life-changing experience. So we've got to get the word out. We've got to get the word out. We have some billboards and some things going out there. But that is is a real gift that we have. And what was so cool is to see, uh, it was Dr. C.B. Williamson, and I think Steve Miles and some other folks who started to talk about the MAKO for knees, like you said, and then the foundation um, yep. actually purchased it. So it's like everything worked. And now we're getting even more value out of it, which is super.
1: Yeah, it, um, it, it is amazing technology. And Dr. Brian has started doing some work on, on this, uh, the, the MAKO, and now Dr. Marino. Yeah. Um, you know, the more volume we can be doing on this, the, uh, the more value it brings. But most importantly, I want to I stay focused on the, the outcomes it has for our patients. Right. And uh, it'll be interesting going forward to, to measure um, complication factors with uh, not using the MAKO versus using the MAKO and uh, to see how um, as new physicians come out of residency, how many of them are trained on this type of technology versus not being trained on this type of sure. technology. So, I want it, Well, I, don't I need want a hip it,
0: replacement. I don't want it, but if I do want have it, I do want it. So it's kind of a catch-22. It comes,
1: it comes back to that uh, threshold of 55 to 60. Once you start yeah. to hit that, then right. all of a sudden things well, start to feel a little different.
0: Actually, you know what? I've been reading, and it scares the heck out of me, that people are getting, specifically with cancer, they're getting uh, sicker at a younger age. And so this is all creeping up on us, and we have a lot of work to do and a lot of job security.
1: Yeah, we do, and you can consider that fortunate or unfortunate. Fortunately, we're here, and they need us, and we're here. So that's the upside of this. Unfortunately, uh, people are sick. And it's interesting. I've talked to some different people about that, uh, those articles about people getting cancer and being younger and what's going on. And there's different theories about that. There's theories around... um, awareness. There's theories about, um, you know, some of the chemicals and pesticides and preservatives. Who knows? I don't think we're going to know for quite some time. And like anything else, there's never a silver bullet. There's never a single answer. It's multifactorial. It's complicated. We're complicated individuals as a, a species. And uh, what may work in one person doesn't work in another person. What one person's immune system may react to, another one may not. And, uh, you know, I think that um, social media and media in general, some of this stuff, you have to question the legitimacy right. of it, um, or whether it's just somebody trying to create a name for themselves. And, but um, what is certainly consistent and we're seeing today is The people that we're seeing are really sick
0: yeah and and it's not necessarily from covid or any i mean our numbers i think we have 14 patients today who are diagnosed with covid so it's not it's something else
1: it's all of the above when i do my rounding whether it's in the er or on the floors and i ask our nurses and doctors you know what are we seeing what's going on you see any patterns and they say no the only pattern i see is we got really sick patients we got sick cardiac patients we've got Six stroke patients, we've got sick flu patients, RSV. Yeah, we got some COVID, but to your point, right. not not a whole lot. We've got, um, you know, a lot of these illnesses though are rooted in the respiratory system. Sure. And um, it's that time of year. So I think we'll continue to see it. And we're not wearing masks. Our, You know, our stroke patients, um, the awareness that we, you know, put out there around stroke right. is a big deal. I think people are paying attention to it.
0: Yeah.
1: On my way down here today, I had uh, a gentleman, I was in the lobby of the ER in the waiting area, and a gentleman came in and he said, I need some help, I think my wife's having a stroke. She, they had been to the doctor's office and, and um, she started feeling bad and couldn't articulate, couldn't speak. Mm. And um, so he did the right thing. He turned around, came back to the hospital, pulled into underneath the portico, came in and said, I need help. And, uh, you know, within three minutes, a stroke alert was called, yes. and, and she was getting the care she needed. You know, I haven't heard whether she had a stroke or not, Right. but the process, as we talked about yeah. earlier, the protocols are in place to do the right thing. Absolutely. And... Um, you know, if she did have a stroke, then, you know, she'll get the care she needs. If she didn't, then that's okay. Right. You know, better to check that box. I found
0: out. Then you find out everything's yeah. okay. Yeah. And you had a, an ocular migraine. But, you know, better to know.
1: Yeah, that's so um, people are just really uh, – I think there's uh, – um, more people moving to our community. Yep. And yeah, you know, some of them are baby boomers, but not all of them. I mean, right. we got some we got some really neat things happening here in the community. You know, having uh, Brown and Brown relocate their headquarters here has been big. Having foundation risk partners uh, like expanding yeah. and growing the way they are. Yeah. These new businesses moving to town, remote workers that are able to move here and live here now, right. um, or maybe they couldn't have done that before. I think there's just a lot of of good, uh, high quality growth taking place here in in our community, and we're we're, you know, we're blessed because there are parts of the country that are contracting, and uh, we're expanding in all the right ways. Yeah. And and what I mean when I say all the right ways, um, it's not illegal immigration. Right. Um, it's uh, it's not businesses closing down it's good high quality growth um, because of investments that our state government has made and that uh, our entrepreneurs in our community have made in in uh, growing their business right here
0: yeah and it's a beautiful place to live yeah i concluded that on saturday just a beautiful place so before we go what do you have to tell the troops out there Deltona, Port Orange, hospice, um, care at home, I can't name every single thing, Halifax Behavioral Services. What's the rallying cry for this quarter?
1: Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, be efficient, the, you know, the, the volumes and the revenues are gonna keep rolling in. It comes back to our, uh, our cornerstone values of providing exceptional service, every encounter, every day to everyone.
0: I don't think I can say it any better than that. So for this quarter, I want to thank you for coming in and sharing all this with all of us. And this has been our installment of Under the Tower with Jeff Fiesel, our CEO. Have a good day, everybody.